Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book, Men Alive. Pablo, did I ever tell you about the time I did not meet the Dalai Lama? You've asked me some strange questions over the years, my brother. I well remember your coming with me to Tibet, but I don't recall you ever being invited to meet the Dalai Lama. Okay, I'll bite on this one. You're saying you didn't meet him. What does that mean? Back in 2004, I saw an ad in my local newspaper that said, Win a once-in-a-lifetime experience with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. The newspaper, in cooperation with the organizing committee for the visit, had a hundred exclusive tickets to give away for a roundtable dialogue while the Dalai Lama was in my city. The theme was Balancing Educating the Mind with Educating the Heart. The gathering included a host of distinguished guests, including some Nobel Peace Prize winners, Aboriginal leaders, prominent rabbis, government officials. So I thought, that sounds like fun. But before I drafted my response, I read the rules again. Quote, to enter, submit a story illustrating what balancing educating the mind with educating the heart means to you. Entries must be 50 words or less. Be visual, be imaginative, be daring, end quote. And a deadline was given at 4 p.m. on a certain day about two weeks away. That sounds like a rather challenging contest. I wish we could ask each of our listeners to send us what they would have written regarding balancing educating the mind with educating the heart in only 50 words. It was a challenge. For me to say anything in 50 words is a challenge. As your longtime friend, I would agree with you. It was a challenge. I loved it. I said, balancing educating the mind with educating the heart means, in 50 words, integrating what we say do our public actions of love, known externally as the way, with what we think and know our private beliefs of faith, known internally as the truth, and what we feel become our passionate attitudes of hope, known eternally as the life. The greater the overlap, the greater the integrity." Unquote. I dated it, signed it, James D. Cunningham, EDD, University of Toronto, and I sent it in. Silence. Never had a response, never heard a peep, and never received one of the 100 exclusive tickets given away for a roundtable dialogue with the Dalai Lama. So, Pablo, now you know what I mean when I say that was the time I did not meet the Dalai Lama. Well, they likely realized that you were talking about Jesus Christ when you talked about the way, what we say and do, affecting our public external actions of love, and the truth, what we think and know, influencing our private internal beliefs of faith, and the life, what we feel and become, directing our passionate eternal attitudes of hope. That may be why I never received an invitation to meet the Dalai Lama. Let's go back to our Tibet trip for a moment, Jim. 
While in Lhasa, we heard a story about the Buddha and a Catholic bell inscribed with the Latin words, Te Deum Laudamus. God, we praise you. Let's tell that story. Okay. In 1716, a Jesuit priest named Father Dresden was sent by the Catholic Church to live in Lhasa, Tibet. He studied the Tibetan language for five years while earning the respect of the resident local monks. They consequently invited him to live at the monastery, one of three great monasteries in Lhasa. The monk's appreciation of Father Dresden as a teacher of apologetics and interdisciplinary dialogue gained him invitations to conduct mass and prepare a treatise comparing the Christian and the Buddhist faiths. Some years later, in 1721, the Vatican removed Father Dresden due to a territorial dispute between the Jesuits and the Capuchins. The Capuchin order claimed Tibet as their territory. Soon new priests from the Capuchin order were sent to Lhasa to build a new Catholic church that was completed in 1726. The new church gradually gained converts until a congregation of some 60 baptized Tibetan believers and inquirers worshipped together. Feeling threatened, the local Buddhist monks put pressure on the Dalai Lama of that time to suppress the fledgling church. As a result, in 1742, the Capuchin priests were expelled, the church building was torn down, and its members persecuted. The bell from the steeple was taken by the Buddhist monks to the temple, the holiest site of the Buddhist faith, the Jokhan Temple. During our visit to Tibet in the summer of 1994, we heard about this captured bell and desired to see it. Our tour included a visit to the Deprung Monastery, a holy site of training and worship for monks located about 10 kilometers from the city of Lhasa. Built in 1416, Deprung is the largest of six famous monasteries belonging to a major Buddhist sect. It covers an area of more than 20,000 square meters and houses numerous items of worship, including gold-gilded statues of Buddha. At the highest level of the monastery is the room containing a statue of the most recent Buddha. In the doorway, facing the massive statue, hangs a bell to summon the monks to come for their times of prayer and devotion to the Buddha. You can imagine our excitement when we thought we might see the bell from the Capuchin Church with the Latin inscription, Tadeum Latimus, God, we praise you. Before we continue the story, let me remind you this is the listener-supported program Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. Our email address is menaliveuntogod at gmail.com and our website is goteachglobal.com. Jim, as I remember, when you went to take a picture of the bell in Lhasa, Tibet, a stern-faced monk pointed to a sign indicating a photo could only be taken if we paid an amount in yuan equal to about two and a half U.S. dollars. I handed him the money while you took the picture of the bell. I remember what happened next. From the moment I took that picture, the flash in my new camera never worked again. On my return to Canada, I rushed the old-fashioned film in to be processed. All the pictures turned out with one exception, the Buddha and the bell. 
Years later, in telling my story to Tibetan Christians, I was told that what I saw at the Deprung Monastery was not the Capuchin Bell. That bell was supposedly in storage in the Johang Temple, right in the center of the old city of Lhasa, having sustained some damage during the Cultural Revolution. It was no longer in use. One Tibetan Christian believer I subsequently met, and there's a growing number of them, said, Too long Tibetans have served dead gods. They need a living, loving, heavenly Father who loves them. When this happens, Tadeum Lotamus will occur throughout Tibet. I was struck by this irony. The Buddhist monks were ringing a bell to come and worship, not a living Lord, but a dead Buddha. Buddha has eyes but cannot see his disciples, lips but cannot speak to them, ears but cannot hear their prayers, and a body but no ability to meet their needs. Buddha is dead. He has no power, no emotions, no life. In contrast, our God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is alive. He has all power both in heaven and on earth. He has all authority. He sets up kings and puts down kings. He is sovereign. He is called Lord Jehovah, King of kings and Lord of lords, Almighty, the Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. We were also amazed to discover that Tibetan Buddhists practice five different kinds of burial styles determined by the rank or status of the deceased during their earthly life. A temple burial is reserved for the Buddhists. Last count was 29. They get buried in the temple or cremated like the rich people, resulting in an instant transfer to the next life. For ordinary folks, there is a sky burial. The bodies are dismembered, stripped of all flesh, and their bones crushed. The remains are then spread out for the vultures. If the birds eat the remains, the person was okay and will enter the next cycle of reincarnation at a higher level. Water burial is like sky burial, but the remains are deposited in the river for the fish to consume. And last of all, criminals are buried in a cave, thus taking the longest time to gain entry into the next life. Jesus of Nazareth, our Messiah, the only begotten of the Father, was crucified as a common criminal between two thieves, buried in a tomb in a cave, and rose again from the dead on the third day. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The death of our Lord, who paid the price for our sins, was the death of a criminal. This provides a powerful cultural key to reach Tibetan Buddhists. Buddhism teaches world peace and universal brotherhood, with harmony for all who pursue one source and one law. All life is one is the goal of modern Buddhism. In contrast, Christianity teaches that we are all equally loved in the eyes of God. One Japanese scholar writing in the Christian Research Journal in the summer of 1994 said, There can be no harmony between the Buddhist doctrine and the Christian faith. It is not up to the living to determine who is most worthy of eternal life. Jesus loves everyone equally, the rich, the ordinary folks, and the criminals. 
Jesus taught that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. I well remember that visit with you, Jim. We learned that our praise as Christians is worshiping the sovereign power and beauty of a living God. With our lips, we praise God for who he is and the recognition of his work in our lives each day. Well, Pablo, I did not meet the Dalai Lama who worships a dead Buddha. I have a relationship with a risen, living God called Jesus of Nazareth, to whom I say, Tadeum Laudamus. What a challenge to praise the Lord without sounding spiritually weird. But we live in a world where more people seem to respond to things with, Oh my God, whoever their God may be, rather than, oh, praise the Lord, the living Lord of heaven and earth. There you have it, men. We pray everyone listening today knows him as your personal Savior and are walking in the light of his word and have lips filled with te deum laudamus, you, Lord, we praise. You can send us an email at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of the ministry Go Teach Global. We do warmly invite you to come visit us on our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm Paul Estabrooks on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.